previously, previously on the Game On Podcast. And then obviously moving, to, as you said, moving over to Melbourne and playing at Richmond. What was the process like going to a big club like Richmond at the time and forcing your way into their senior side? No, can I, I'm just yep. going to butt in there, Pete. I, I find now nowadays, as we know, a kid gets drafted, they go and play, bang, they're there. It's quite extraordinary for Barmy. He's played senior football in Perth, ends up going to Richmond and plays under-19s. I, I think that's yeah, where yeah, I was alluding. Yep. Yeah, which I, I I find fascinating, Barmy, in that in that regard, and that you were then had you'd gone from seniors and then had almost the old fashioned build up after that the other way sort of thing. Oh well, yeah, we weren't sort of worried about that. It was, it was a bit of a difference between BFL footy and waffle footy in those days, but um, you know, quite a significant difference in there. Not, not as not as big a difference as there is nowadays, but there was quite a difference. So I was more than happy to play under 19s. I mean, that was a really challenging uh, program in itself. I played under 19s and reserves in the first year, and then in the second year, I played some senior footy later on. But I'd, I'd had some knee problems as well, so no, it was certainly. Um, I mean, the fact that I played four senior games for Subi was almost, you know, out of the blue in a sense because I was only a kid. It was really only because Bunt was, um, you know, trying to find a player, I think. But, um, no, it was a, I mean, I was never um, put off by that. I thought playing under-19s for Richmond was... Well, I played in the premiership team in 69, yeah. so I was very pleased with that, yeah. Um, and so then moving through the system and that... And you're at a powerful club. Um, you know, with and that just describe that, you know, with Tom Hafey and the whole and Graham Richmond and we'll, we'll get onto the Graham Richmond negatives a bit later, but just more the positives at the start and just being a being at the Richmond footy club. And who took and who took you under their wing? Oh, they all did in their own way. It was um I mean Slug Jordan was my coach in yeah. the 90s and he was fantastic. We finished up bloody good friends uh, later on as well. He's a character. Yeah. Um, but Alan Schwab was a very good secretary. They, they all, you know, I mean, the players all took us under their wing as well. It was, um, you know, it was even in those days, was quite a, you know, they accepted you and they encouraged you to do well. And it was a bit, bit more challenging, a bit more simple in do what you're bloody told to a degree. But, um, it was still it was a damn good club. We really enjoyed it, and um, you know, I was I went to I did year twelve the first year I was there, so I was still a schoolboy. So, <laughs> you know, you, I wasn't really part of the part of the plan in a sense, but um, no, it was good fun. They, they were a great club and uh, very challenging. Um, Tommy was very simple in the way he coached. Um, it was very much yes. you know put your head over the ball, try as hard as you can, and kick it as long as you can, and no finessing and all that sort of stuff. So it was a, it was a different time. But um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really good mates with a lot of the blokes I play with you know, the whole time. So you know, we were very lucky. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, 
and let's do this thing. Welcome, Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined by Malcolm and uh, Neil Barm. Part one. We've got part two coming up uh, later today. Um, was absolutely fantastic in telling us how he got from obviously Subiaco over to Richmond. Yeah, I was privileged. You know, as we said, we spoke to Barmy for nearly eighty minutes. So yeah, absolute privilege to have the great man on and yeah, discuss certainly most things. Some things which we left off go the table. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, I could do a different uh, <laughs> podcast, a, a late night one in regards with Barmy. Uh, no, he's a yeah, huge respect. Absolutely, and obviously great administrator and really, um, you know, started out his career as a young fella and the last couple of weeks we've had uh, that sort of young fella theme that they've uh, come from the clouds to absolutely make an impact not only on uh, their football clubs but footy in general. Yeah, well, you think of it, so it's, you know, Nord... He's been involved in premierships at Nord, Glenert, Geelong uh, and Richmond and lost one very unluckily at Collingwood. Uh, Woodville West Torrens won the flag the year after he left. So just so much success overall. No wonder the Crows were uh, chasing him. And oh, yeah. Obviously, we talked about that in, in our part two. So looking forward to that. Yep. Around the Grounds. Today, mate, we're going to have a good look at uh, the AFL finals, uh, the SNFL. We're going to touch base with last week's game, and we've got a special subject this week of flashbacks for the grand final this week between Sturt and Glenelg, the AFLW and the NRL. But we'll kick off with the AFL week two of the finals. Melbourne and Carlton played an absolute thriller at the MCG. A thriller of a contest. Yeah, I agree, though, that... There was a lot of turnovers by both sides, but I think just purely the fact 96,000 there, which was incredible, and the atmosphere, you sort of forgot that. But I, I agree with John Fidge's comment where he had a real crack at Viney, you know, the last minute and a half with, where he couldn't kick over 20 metres on his on his non-natural foot. So if that right footer goes over Wiedering's head They're and away. just goes to open space, yep. it's probably enough. Also... The Melbourne player where he overcommitted, where he should have just cajoled and made Doherty go back to ha- take his kick, then you're flooding defence. So it's it's a lot of what, what ifs. What ifs, yeah. And nine goals, 17. But I want to also have a crack at Melbourne for their selection. Like, they picked Shacky as the sub. Now, that was supposedly due to Gorn being an under a cloud because he did play with a broken toe. Well, if you're going to do that... You might as well have played uh, Yeah, you've Grundy. got a certain guy called Grundy still on your list, for goodness sake. It's staggering. Uh, Melbourne had their chances early yeah. on. I, th- I thought that um, Carlton just found a way to hang in there, hang and that's in, yeah. been their uh, modem operatus yeah. for the last uh, 10 or 12 weeks, and uh, it certainly served them well. And then, like you said... I was of the opinion, and I'm a Carlton man through and through, and when um, Lever marked that ball at yeah. uh, just off the flank there, back flank, well, I thought that's about, yeah. that's about it. Um, and then they had the chance, and then Carlton did take their chances yeah. with switching the ball into the gr- middle of the ground. So once again, bad kicking, though, from Melbourne really did cost them. And the switch was by Holland, who came on as a sub, and then Melbourne didn't have any of that run. And not only did Holland there, he chased Hunter down as well. He had an impact. And Melbourne, bizarrely, didn't either chose a runner or use Grundy because Cox has played as a sub for Collingwood this year yep. and come on and rucked and had an impact. So it's not like 
a ruckman hasn't had an impact with the sub. Is it, yeah, is it so. a case of them being stubborn with their decision? I think so, that they and, just wouldn't go, hang on, you know, hey, let's use him here. Yep. And but Grundy, then Grundy, Grundy talked with a few teams before this, but this is the industry, though. Yeah, so what? But the big thing was he hadn't come out and bagged Melbourne. He could have come out and teed off on Melbourne, and he hadn't. Yep. He'd still been in the rooms. He'd showed great character. Why not play him? He plays, I reckon we're talking about Melbourne this week. So, agreed. Uh, so, look, two things from Melbourne point of view. Uh, obviously, bad kicking once again. It's not a matter of them getting it in there. It's obviously a matter of them finishing. I think Melbourne lost this at the selection table, as you just mentioned there. But I think there's one other thing that uh, that has to be sort of pointed out, that I think that they lost the plot, basically, on the week before with... Uh, oh. Brayshaw's concussion and, carrying, and on carrying on, yeah. About it, yeah. They went way overboard on that for what was a footy accident. It was crazy, and then Pickett almost trying to play the tough role, and he's he's got one game. So if they won, he wasn't playing this week anyway, yep. and he was probably very lucky not to only get one. Yes, he could have got reported three or four times. He got fined two other times. I thought one of those he should have been got games for it yep. under the grading. So yeah, I. Let's flip the coin. Carlton, uh, impressive. And they get Martin back this week. Yes. So I reckon that's pretty important. He, he's Martin's class. Now, Mackay, you just don't know what he's going to bring. Yes. I yeah. think it unsettles that forward line a little bit. I know Charlie sort of says, I, I like to have him in there as that decoy forward. But Charlie being up and down the ground like he is, you sort of want to still have that flexibility. Yeah, but mind you, so Payne's in big doubt for, for um, Brisbane. Now, if he doesn't come up, and they've got to... Not a, Andrews has got to go to Kerno. Yes. Who knows? So that means Gardner will probably stand Mackay. So it's a big height height advantage for, for unless they bring Joyce in as the other possibility. Um, but yeah, Mackay is. We all know his ability. Absolutely. So you know he's just got to get that around the corner know. out of oh. out of his mind. Um, Walsh having an absolute yeah. brilliant uh, final series at the moment and. I think it was pointed out a little bit um, over some of the footy shows. Like you said, there's about five million of them at the moment. Yeah. You watch as many as you can. Um, in that, uh, you know, he did miss a big chunk of the preseason, but he sort of timed his run very, very well and very, very professional. We think so. His body's hit at September and still got plenty in the tank. He, he probably did run out a little bit of puff in the last five or so minutes, but, geez. He was best on ground by a mile until five minutes to go. So and Cripps yeah. obviously being rewarded for a lot of years, sort of yeah. doing a lot of that hard work, and now he's got a few more passages on the bus. And that roar around the MCG from the uh, Carlton supporters is uh, spine tingling at, at best. Yeah, and I think there'll be a reasonable Carlton uh, representation at the Gabba, so it won't just be a total Brisbane crowd. Mm-hmm. So, and part yeah. of that's to do with some of the scheduling that the NRL have obviously put their games on at, at their times and the AFL once again not giving the seven-day break, uh, you know, that they probably could have uh, in changing the schedule around for uh, GWS uh, playing on the Saturday night rather yeah. than the Brisbane game. So it's very interesting to but see how it's going to play They also don't out. want the minor premier in this case, Collingwood, to have one less day. So oh, I reckon they could have played both on Saturday. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, fair call. And, and really make a highlight of the Friday night yeah. with the uh, FLW. So, yeah. all right, we'll move on from uh, the uh, Carlton Melbourne game. Port Adelaide GWS. Just really too good. I, I think we looked at the sides and went, well, ability-wise, yeah, GWS. Mm-hmm. And I ended up talking to Crows guy on Sunday. He said, well, ability-wise, it's GWS are better than everyone. Mm-hmm. Um 
So we all knew on that. But, and really, at halftime, they should have been 10 up. So, yeah, they had that 10 or 15-minute period in yeah. the second quarter where they could have absolutely blown Port Adelaide out of the water. And once again, uh, some bad kicking there uh, did uh, did hurt them a little bit as far as stretching out the lead. But like I said last week, I just felt like GWS are a strong, hard-running team that just don't give any weaknesses. And, you know, they did lose a couple of players at the beginning of the year. You sort of weren't sure where they're at. And then new coach and, you know, how's this all going to play out? And it's been a case of... Carlton and GWS were sitting 14th and yeah, 15th respectively at round 15. Remarkable. At round 15. And they've timed their run absolutely perfectly. And I think GWS previously were, were relying on their superstars, you know, Kelly, Cameron, and that, which has probably got them to the line in 19. Yes. Where I think now they're, they're batting a bit deep and their role players like a Bedford Daniels are doing the job. And I reckon their balance up forward is very good. With Hogan, yes, Toby Green, yes, so, yeah, and Cornelia came back in back last in. week and just gave them that little bit more strength around the middle of the ground, and that's where probably they won his, the game. Probably his best game. Yeah, uh, I think once again, a bit like the the Melbourne Carlton game, the Port Adelaide GWS was really won at the selection table on the basis that Port did carry. Let's be honest, three or four players yeah, that were I'm, definitely either underdone or injured. Yeah, I'm not really on that. Sure what other options they had. But on the case of Lysette, they brought him in underdone last week and then really, because his body's so battered, it had only taken one week and he was and he cooked. he was gone again, yeah. Where I reckon they should have played Hayes. They'd brought him in. He'd done the job. You've gone with your kids in the midfield in terms of yep. Rosie, Butters, Horn, Francis. Yep. Why not have gone with Hayes as well? So, and there was no doubt McKenzie shouldn't have played, and but they've gone, well, Jonas is injured, we can't play that. Mm-hmm. Well, they should have had a look at Pasini during the year as a possibility. Yes. But, yeah, they probably didn't have a huge option. I get where Hinkley was trying to come from, saying, oh, well, we didn't have any other options, but he didn't phrase it too well. Yes, he and, and I, was, off. I was actually just about yeah. to say that, that there was some wording that came out oh. in that press conference that made me sit up and go, well, hang on, you definitely don't want to be hearing that from your senior coach, sort of going, well, you know, they're young and unprepared and not ready, and it's like, hang on, you've got, an, you've got control of an AFL side here. You need to be planning for these things. Every other team has. Yeah, it was it was, it was bizarre wording by Hinkley. I, I agree. He hasn't had a good... No. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about Hinkley now. Um, obviously, fans are, are baying for his blood, saying that, you know, they shouldn't have made that decision back in August, or they really shouldn't have made the call back at the beginning of the year, saying we won't talk about it until August. And then they sort of got backed into a corner with them doing so well. And I'm of two schools of thought with this. Yeah, I, I see both sides that they, their run there have been so impressive. You weren't going to know then they were going to end up mm-hmm. a month later banged up. So I can see both sides. Yeah, I get it. I, look, do you think that the goal was obviously the players say that they they love having him as, as the head coach, do. and they do. Was the goal to get him that next extension, and then when they did get it, did it sort of take the foot off the pedal a little bit? I'm not sure, but no, I don't. I think I think they just ended up with guys who were banged up at yep. that stage. They were fine yep. and flying. Yep. So I just think four or five injuries. Yeah, McKenzie gets. Injured three times and keeps going. Well, you could see that he wasn't right. So, uh, Port Adelaide fans obviously venting their frustration on uh, oh, it's on been radio. A great week in that regard. <laughs> um, Five double A after the game. Even my wife was pissing herself laughing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, uh, 
you know, obviously we're so invested, but uh, did hear uh, Michelangelo Ricci, I think, came out on SEN and sort of saying, look, Port Adelaide are the big fish, uh, sorry, the small, smaller fish in a bigger pond. You can't expect that your SNFL form where you are the bigger fish oh, in exactly. a smaller pond uh, producing, you know, finals results every couple of years is going to happen at an AFL level just with the way it's structured. And we said that with Tim Jennifer in the interview with Tim about his career where Port bluffs and premierships, which is a huge achievement. That's not having a go. That's a compliment. Yes. They weren't the best side, yet they managed to win flags. And Tim said that himself. And that's the sign of a great team, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so you're not going to bluff on the national stage. And so, yeah, Port supporters still – there's a lot of Port supporters who aren't with the real world. Yep. No, feckle. All right, we move on to this week's game. So a couple of big blockbuster prelims. Uh, Carlton v Brisbane up at the Gabba. Look, you expect Brisbane to win, no doubt about that, but... You can't discount yeah, Carlton. Carlton yeah. Look, I just really hope it's a real good game. Yep. Um, I think that's probably the, the worry. You could actually see two blowouts this week, and I hope it's not. I hope they're just two great games again. Prelims can be notorious for absolute blockbusters or in or some blowouts. occasions it can be blowouts. I, I think all the pressure's on Brisbane here, to be honest with you. Yeah, the I pressure's think, on Brisbane and Collingwood. There's yeah. no doubt about that. So, you know, while I don't agree with the comment it's a free hit, it is far more. can hope that Carlton and GWS are a bit freer in their yes. movements. Than- you would think so, and they have played that way this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the first... 10, 15 minutes as to see who is on the on the ball. And if uh, Collingwood and uh, Brisbane are on the ball, you pretty much will say they're going to get over and the line. As we said, look, the opposition which GWS have played so far in St Kilda and Port Adelaide isn't probably as good as that, but their ball use has probably oh. still been the best of any side. And so, their speed has been yeah, huge. And yeah. I don't know whether that's going to trouble Collingwood because they're pretty speedy as well. So it's going to be a very interesting game from that point of view. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not a conspiracy theory, but the AFL would absolutely love a Collingwood-Carlton grand final. But I don't think we're going to get that no, this I, year. And, and that's coming. And I'm great. a Carlton man who would yeah. absolutely love that, hands down. But I just don't think that's no, going to happen. I, look, could it be good, more good for the build-up in the week? Not so much the day. The day's a sellout anyway, whoever yes. plays. So not so much that way. And you've got to remember, so many tickets at the grand final corporate. So it hasn't got that big... Whereas prelims do yeah. have that, uh, yeah, which I think gives. Like, let's be honest, ninety some, ninety odd thousand there tomorrow night. There was a l- at least eighty five thousand of them going to be barracking for Collingwood. Yep, yeah, huge. All right, so your so tip is Robin- obviously Brisbane L- and uh, Collingwood. Robinsons, uh, because of their of Brett Hand's involvement with GWS to start with, they were uh, members and they've stayed members. So. They're going to have to be very loud to drown out 85,000 Collingwood supporters. Well, the so best way to do that is to get Robinson off. Household. The best way to do that is to obviously get off to a good start yeah. and, uh, and, yeah. and keep the pressure on. And look, GWS have done it better than anybody this year. So it's going to be very interesting. And I'm like you. I hope it's a close. Both games are very, very close and sort of in the balance at three quarter time. I think the other game, let's also remember the game Brisbane v Port, where Port missed six set shots from under 30 metres out. Port should have been in front at half time. Mm. So who knows what would have then have happened. So while Brisbane ran away and won by eight goals, I reckon that flatters them a little bit yep. there. Yep. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see that yeah. uh, Carlton, who have been in form as well, uh, whether they can um, take it to them. 
and just put enough pressure. Agreed. Force the errors. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we move on to the SNFL. Last week, prelim finals, never easy, but uh, Sturt really uh, showed the way against Adelaide. Oh, they did, and I was disappointed with Adelaide. Geez, they gave away some shocking free kicks. It was Crow Sport has been whinging on it. I actually thought the umpire was pretty reasonable, and just Crows just gave away some absolute shocking free kicks. And I, I was with Will Hamill's dad for a while, and that was his point. He was getting so frustrated yep. at the free kicks. And that had lack of discipline. It, it was bizarre. It hadn't been a part of their game no. for a period of time throughout the year, and it was like you. I'm sitting back watching it, sort of going, "Hang on, oh, it was that terrible." Was just, just you know, in a in a, such a big game, you don't want to be giving anything to your opposition, and yet you're giving them a lot of free possession. And then Adelaide didn't take the game on enough. They were two stop start defence, didn't run it through, and just take some risks with the ball movement. It was. It wasn't a great game. The best game for the day last weekend was easily the under-18s yes, game. We'll talk about that one yeah. a little bit later in our extra time big finish. Uh, Sturt obviously getting off to a good start in the first quarter, kicking three goals, two to three points, and really from there controlled the game. Uh, Adelaide come back a little bit, yeah. but just not enough. And Sturt, to their credit, uh, their pressure and their ball movement was good, but... It's going to have to step up to another level against uh, uh, Glenelg this weekend in the grand final, and we will talk about that yeah. a little bit more in our flashbacks. Yep. We'll stay with the SNFL. Uh, congratulations to Harry Grant and Nick Rokar, who took out their club best and first, which were the one and two in the in, in the, the McGarry. McGarry. So, yeah, a fitting result there. there. Look, I think they were both pretty obvious. Um, as a Norban Rokar had, that was a no-brainer. Yes. Um and I thought Harry Grant was pretty obvious at Centrals as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations to yep. those guys there. All right, we move on to the AFLW. Uh, Adelaide, 47-point uh, winners against Essendon in a uh, pretty good game of, uh, of AFLW. But their ball movement and their structures have been absolutely first rate. And it was on show at Unley Oval on uh, Saturday. Yeah, they're running the ball probably a bit more, a little bit more give the handball. And the skills are gradually getting better. And so, yeah. And the people who bag the women's footy with the score wide, they keep forgetting that the quarters are considerably a shorter, shorter. Di- shorter distance. Yeah, there's over, it's over ten minutes a quarter less time. So you think it's over a quarter's difference? Yep. And that over so the whole game and the pro score in re- reality was fantastic. Absolutely. So, yeah. Essendon, uh, we talked about last week uh, the. Top two games for the weekend were Essendon and Adelaide, um, you know, because of their ladder positions. Yeah. And we're expecting a blockbuster, but Adelaide really just put the foot to the floor and and uh, yeah, Essendon got the first goal, then and, and they were up up at quarter time, but then Adelaide were just way too good after that. Unbelievable structures and Matty Clark, who we will talk about a little bit later in one of our other subjects, has really got them firing. Considering they did lose a few players when Port Adelaide came into the uh, competition. And also players obviously being moved around throughout the, uh, the the first six seasons of the AFLW. And he's maintained his structure very, very well. And I will chase him up to get him on the show too. Absolutely. After the, uh, maybe after the AFLW season or yeah. we'll see how we go yeah. with that one. And Port Adelaide uh, winning by eight points against St Kilda. A bit of a gutsy effort. Came from behind. They were over, they were 20 odd points down and came through. St kicked a couple. Uh, Aaron Phillips kicked their first goal for Port, Port Adelaide. Bought up the thousand possessions. Yep. You know, look, she's that's a, that's a, a, an, a an achievement and a milestone that really needs to be pointed out. That wow, we've got a player who's changed codes very yes. very late in, late in her career, come to a club at Adelaide 
because there was no Port Adelaide. She plays in premierships with Adelaide. Port Adelaide first get their uh, their AFLW team up and running. She puts her hand up and goes, look, I've w- always wanted to play for Port Adelaide because of her father, of, co- yep. of course. Then makes the move, knows that it's going to be a tough for the first couple of years and yet still plugging away. Still at, contributing. Absolutely. Yeah. Just... Well, if, if she was a male player, well, she'd be held in very, very high regard. John Cale said she's the best junior yep. head coach. Now, that's a pretty huge call. So I think that does that's testimony and proves that point to be totally correct. Absolutely. All right, mate, we move on. The uh, NRL rugby semifinals, Melbourne Storm v the Sydney Roosters. Always going to be a bit of a tight game with Melbourne coming out after losing quite convincingly the week week before and the Roosters obviously wanting to, to keep their winning run going. But um, they've come out and won 18-13 in a pretty tight and dour contest. Yeah, they did the job in the end and yeah, got through a catch of a high ball and, yeah, they were just, just that, got through in the end. Obviously, Melbourne wanting to continue their finals form and their winning run uh, through finals throughout the years and, and did it one, once again. The Warriors, a bit of a blowout in this one here against the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, was one at the end. So uh, 40 to 10. 10. Yeah, not a cliffhanger. Exactly right. And, um, you know, the Warriors really coming from lower, lower in the table, yeah. a bit like what we've seen this year with GWS coming yep. from eighth. So maybe it is a year of teams... Going that one step further from in that bottom four. So interesting to see how it goes. All right. Well, so that and then that moves us on to this week's uh, prelim finals. Penrith Panthers v the Storm. Now, this is going to be an absolute belter. Should be a great game. Yeah, it real toss the coin. So, yeah, we'll probably follow a little bit more than me yep. in that way. But it, you'd expect it to go down to the wire. Absolutely. And then uh, Broncos taking on the Warriors. This one here, again, promises to be... Uh, an absolute blockbuster. There's a couple of games there that could go either way. Yeah, very hard. Both really hard games to tip. Both real toss of the coin. Jobs. I know the sports betters have got uh, the Broncos and the Panthers obviously in favouritism, but I think that's a little bit to do with the week off. Yeah. Um, but you know, it doesn't mean anything. We'll see how we go. Yep. My my money probably would be on the Panthers and the Broncos in the grand final. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, mate. We're going to take a very very quick break. Uh, when we come back, we've got some finals flashbacks. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Flashbacks. And we kick off our finals flashbacks with Glenelgan Sturt playing in this year's SNFL Grand Final. We'll talk about the last couple of times they've played this year and then we'll have a little bit of a look at the last time they played each other in a Grand Final. Now, Sturt played Glenelgan Round 1 at Unley Oval. Sturt 12 goals, 880, defeated Glenelg 7-749. Yeah, they did the job. Yeah, Sturt did the job that day and at that stage, you know, Glenelg, new coach, it was all a little bit up in the air and they, you know, Won pretty convincingly there at the start, but then, of course, as we know, the uh, the next time they played it and the game in which I think was promoted brilliantly. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll talk about that one in a second. Uh, obviously, yeah. Sturt kicking off their season at home with a, a win against Glenelg. Now, we thought that Sturt and Glenelg were going to be around the mark yep. in, that one, in that one there, and it sort of gave us a bit of an indication that 
these two teams are probably going to do okay throughout the season. Uh, Sturt continued its dominance in in the Premiership quarter in the third quarter of round one and winning by thirty one points. Yeah, and then we move on to the next time that they played. Obviously, was at Glenelg Oval, and like you said, promoted brilliantly. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think the crowd was nearly eight and a half on memory. On memory in the end. 10K at the Bay for the yeah. uh, King's birthday weekend, which was at, sorry, was at Glenelg Oval in round nine, 2023. Uh, Glenelg, 23 goals, 12, 150 to Sturt, six goals, nine, 45. Obviously, like you said, trying to promote uh, the 10K at the Bay, which they had done previously in 2008, attracting yeah. 11,827 fans. Obviously, trying to replicate that in round nine this year. I just. The media and the way they did it on the social media was really everyone should have been trying to listen and learn off that because it was really, really well done. I think it was about eight and a half, nearly nine in the end. That day was also uh, Nord played south at Norlunga. It was Nord's first win of the year. We were following the scores at Norlunga and it was just ridiculous. Yes. Hang on. All thinking this is going to be a close game and yeah, it was far from it. Absolutely. And, uh, Glenelg was certainly up for the uh, long weekend game at the Bay. Uh, seven goals to one in the opening quarter, which was a blitz, uh, to set the tone for the remainder of the day with Matthew Allen kicking six goals one meant that Glenelg were in control and to rub salt into the wound at half time, Glenelg put the foot on the floor kicking seven goals, five to one goal in the third quarter. Yeah. Really definitely uh, set the tone pretty early, as I said. And do we expect something similar no, in I, this I, game, I think in the grand final, Sturt will block it up. It'll be pretty t- contested. It'll be whether Glenelg can get it on the outside and use their speed and and open it up for McBean and Hosey Reynolds. You know they have got the most potent forward line in the competition. There's no doubt about that. Um, so in that way, but I'm sure Sturt will be trying to do what they did last weekend to the Crows and just really keep it in tight. Absolutely. And make it a contest and a dour struggle. Now, these teams obviously haven't played each other for quite some time. Uh, good opportunity over the last couple of weeks to have a little bit of a look at Glenelg and Sturt. And Glenelg moves the ball very, very efficiently. And a team that was not quite in dire straits at the beginning of the year, they lost their coach pretty late into the preseason. They've had to bring somebody else in. But they haven't missed a beat, really. Yeah, because it was a very controversial decision not to go with Brett Hand again. A few of us weren't happy about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got to give uh, Reeves his due, and and they've been very good. Absolutely, and it lends itself to being a great grand final. All right, we're going to take a quick look now at the uh, last two minutes of the 1974 grand final. Their only bad quarter was the third term. Whelan gets the tap down, taken by Nelson. And not, Nelson's got it now after Lloyd was claimed. Umpire Ducker, another good exhibition in the 74 grind final. Umpiring his 198th league game. Tapped down to Murphy, tackled by Fred Phyllis. Gee, this psycho is going to be hard to pick this afternoon. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. It could go to a Glenelg player too. McFarlane's played well. A tremendous game. 90 yes. seconds remaining before the end of the season. Davies gets the tap down. Graham hung onto his boot. Colby's got it. He won't give up. Gives it towards Colwell. Colwell tried to jump a player. That's it. There's the siren. As Ian Aitken's excited voice told you, 
And look at the scenes of jubilation there as the Sturt players go wild. They all run and bracing each other with the final score. Sturt 9-16 to Grinnell 8-7. You've been viewing on Channel 9 commentators Ian Aitken, Wally May and Max Hall. Well, tremendous scenes here at Football Park. Tremendous scenes here at Football Park as Sturt has just won the 1974 Grand Final, defeating Glenelg, Sturt 9-16 to Glenelg's 8-goal 7. And just to show you how quickly commentators change their opinions, we had the Bays perhaps running away with this one at three-quarter time. After a great third quarter against the Breeze, they're only five points down, but Sturt outplayed them in the final turn. Wally May with his comments as Paul Bangshaw gets hoisted aloft the skipper of the victorious Blues. So he should too, because in the last quarter, Bagshaw was one of the instruments that kept them into the game. Helped by Noonan, a tremendous last quarter, and don't forget Howard, in the middle of the ground, in control for 25 minutes because Marker was hurt, went out on a half-forward swing. A tired day side, beaten by a better side on the day, the Sturt double blue. That was Judge Brebner, who just went across and congratulated Sturt coach Jack Odie, and I'm sure Sturt fans would have picked that one up. But uh, there's Jack Odie being congratulated by all and sundry now. He's done a great job with the Blues again in uh, 74. There we go, uh, the 1974 grand final, uh, Sturt 9 goals, 16-70 to Glenelg, 8-7-55. After the minor round, Sturt f- sat top of the SNFL table with 19 wins and 3 losses for the season, finishing ahead of Port Adelaide, Nord, Glenelg and West Torrens. Sturt advancing to the second semi-final to play Port Adelaide and winning by 5 points to advance to the grand final, whilst Glenelg's route was a little more challenging from fourth, defeating West Torrens by 36 points, then Norwood by 23 points, and then Port Adelaide by 49 points. And with that momentum, being with Glenelg, Sturt needed to be on their game, having a six goals, one to one point first quarter that helped Sturt to a dream start. But a fight back from Glenelg in the second quarter meant that the deficit was down to, or cut down to 12 points. In a seesawing third quarter, Sturt, kicked zero goal six to Glenelg's two goals one, which meant for a blockbuster final quarter. And the minor premier steadied to eventually win by 15 points in front of 58,113 at Football Park. Yeah, I, I remember in terms of that Glenelg had come home, was come home strongly. And, that, and obviously, so I was 11. That's mm-hmm. uh, so a neutral. And that, but I do remember at three-quarter time thinking, well, Glenelg should win from here. They'd had a good third quarter. They're only five points down. They've got the breeze. They look like they've got the momentum. Yep. But Sturt steadied. Uh, Robert Odie did a bit, had a reasonable last quarter as well. Just a few important things with just a bit of footy now. And that he'd been a controversial sacking at Nord. And yes. So then he'd gone to Sturt play, and played under his dad and to win a flag and that. So... Yeah, in that way. And Ken Whelan kicked 108 goals. And Ken Whelan, he, he was awesome. Jeez, yeah. he was he was the king of hangers. Absolutely. And then you've also got Rick Davies in that side yeah. there, uh, obviously yeah, coached sure. by Jack Odie. Bruce Winter, who we have talked about and we'll talk about a little bit more, Neil Baum tonight on our uh, Past Players Past Legends, yes. uh, with his involvement at uh, Woodville West Torrens. Uh, you're right, some absolute uh, beauty of uh, some names there. And Sturt, uh, you know, just getting the job done, but uh, another great grand final. And um, this was the last time that they played each other in a grand final, which was 1974. Four. That's a long time yeah. between drinks for both these teams. Considering they're two 
strong clubs and that over the years. So, yeah, it is a surprise it's that far back. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what size crowd we get. Um, I've I've gone 32,616 in the sweep. So, okay. So, we'll see how we go. All right, well, I'm going to pick 34,812. So, okay. There you go. We'll see uh, who's the closest next week, closest to the pin. We might have a bit of fun with that as yeah, well. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll be you because hopefully the weather should be fine. So hopefully we'll get, you know, 35 to 40, hopefully. Absolutely. And it is an SNFL grand final. Yeah. All right, mate. Let's let's get into uh, this week's past players, past legends. Past players, past legends, past legends. Oh, well, I did. As, as it turned out, um, uh, Brian Wilson, who was the president of Woodville, was uh, Carmel's dad, my okay. wife's dad. So yep. I had a bit of a connection with Woodville <laughs> in, a, in its own funny way. But I um, know oh, I really enjoyed it there. I, I, you know, the first day we went to training, there was 90 players, I reckon. <laughs> what the hell are we going to do here? But uh, uh, Bruce, I'm, I'm really pleased that Bruce came with me because um, we, we did it all together. And then when I shot through, uh, he was able to, you know, to get the uh, the premiership uh, win, which was wonderful. And uh, but he, he was a he was a great footy thinker as well. So you now we had a lot of fun though. And my and my factory was at eight twenty two Port Road, so I just had to walk down the road. To yeah, go you to far Port away, Road. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what was that? Something that the SNFL approached you about, or was that generally the uh, Woodville West Torrens Footy Club? No, no, Woodville West Torrens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I can't remember specifically what happened because that's not because I'm getting old. But uh, it was uh, it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it, um, and I, not that I didn't uh, still believe in Norwood and love Norwood. I thought it was probably my my time. I'd been there for a fair while, and it was a good thing to do. So as it turned out, it was um, it really helped me um, in the longer term as well to you know to go to uh, to another club. So and we finished up. Sadly, at Melbourne for a few years, which didn't work as well as uh, we we would have liked it to have worked. But um, yeah, let's it, get it. Uh, let's get a few things there, though, Barmy. You did get all Australian coach in '94. You, you're nice and unlucky. You've got Schwartz, who's pretty close to the best player. You know, he's with Carey as an absolute gun. He gets injured. Lion get Lion gets injured. Tingay, Tingay, and you know, Todd Viney goes to coach Mark Philippoussis, like. You're nice and unlucky. You didn't have four of your best, uh, you know, 40 out. You lost four of your best, probably six or yeah, seven. Um, it, like, it, it you was, were unlucky. God. Yeah, I was. A, uh, we were a bit unlucky. And then also they ran out of dough and think they might bloody merge with Hawthorne. And, oh, God, can you imagine how that, how that went? I mean, that was awful. And then all of a sudden, because of that, uh, the Joe Goodnicks of the world come in and he, he wouldn't know. Shit from clay, if you don't mind me, my my terminology. No, I, I don't. I was pretty sure you don't exchange Christmas cards. That was horrible, horrible for me. Um, but in a lot of ways, it was the best thing that ever happened because it said, "Well, hang on, maybe coaching is not what you should do, but you should stay in footy." And it probably got me to uh, ultimately go to footy admin, which um, has probably suited me even better than coaching in lots of ways. So. I mean, it's it's rare that um, things happen and there's not something good about them. But um, it was pretty pretty unpleasant and uncomfortable time when uh, Goodnick was around. So, um, how, but, you know, and, and I haven't really forgiven Melbourne for that to a degree because it was awful, 
really. Oh, getting sacked virtually at halftime over the radio it was extraordinary. It was <laughs> yeah, bizarre. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking about the uh, Melbourne Hawthorne merger, how close was that to, to happening or were you involved with some of the discussions with that? Oh, well, I'd spoken to the Melbourne people and I had to say that I supported it because that's what the board decided to do. But I thought it was a stupid idea. But uh, it was never really going to happen because Hawthorne didn't want it to happen at all. And it, it would have made no sense at all because if you merge Hawthorne and Melbourne, what happens? One of them loses their, who they are. Maybe they both do. I mean, it was it was just madness. And it was only it was, they were just strapped for cash and didn't know what to do and didn't know what the next step was and and didn't have the money and all that sort of stuff. So I really felt a bit sorry for them in a way because people like Ian Ridley and those guys were wonderful people, but they were just battling to uh, to survive a bit. But um, no, it, was, it, it should, never, should never have been considered and was never really going to happen as it turned out. No, fair call. Um, I know you did mention this a little bit with uh, Joseph Gutnick. Um you know the the problems with the what I call the front of house and back of house with a bit of a chefing uh, background in that if they don't work together it doesn't work. Did that really mould you into the administrator that you are today with that experience? Oh, I think I already knew that to be fair, but it did. It certainly did um, reinforce what I what I believed in. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. That uh, you've got to be honest with people, and you got to they got to trust you. And if they trust you, you got a decent chance to get the best out of them. But and that's not what was happening at that that stage. No. And then the administrative career, Collingwood, Collingwood, uh, you, you know, nearly got up to in the grand final there, where ironically a goal umpiring call against Rocker probably cost Collingwood dearly there. So you unlucky there, and then of course. We'll get onto the uh, the Geelong side of it with with Harles and and that side of it, um, but yeah, great career in administration as well, Barmy. Go through some of you know starting off at Collingwood and all that side of things. Yeah, well, the Collingwood with time was fantastic, and we, we were a bit stiff. Um, we did lose a couple of grand finals and against the AFL team because uh, the AFL looked after Brisbane in those days. Um, but that you know that was just the way it was. But we were we were a little bit stiff, but we were, we were pretty competitive and very strong. And and I think I had a reasonable influence there. And I I really kind of enjoyed I enjoyed my Collingwood time, but I'd sort of come to the end of it in the end. And I was lucky enough to uh, to get to Geelong, who were fantastic. They're wonderful culture. Um, Cookie was fantastic. I mean, Tommy Harley was an old um, Adelaide mate, as yeah. it turned out, and. Um, and he's done really well, and he's now was he see uh, Sydney yep. or whatever. So yep. now he's a you know really good fella. But um, no, Ge- Geelong was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that. Bomber was good fun in the early days, and then we appointed Scotty as well. So um, now I, I genuinely and um, I mean I enjoyed the Collingwood time. I really did. But um, even more so at Geelong, I'm still I've still got a lot of time for Geelong. I think they're you know, a really good bunch of people and do things the right way personally. But um, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky. Uh, I've had some good things to do in footy. And um, then I went back to Collingwood for a couple of years because I wanted to help Bucks. And I saw him the other day, and he's a terrific person. Um, but I wasn't really able to quite get that done either, sadly. But uh, that's only because I think they went a bit mad themselves but, uh, from inside. But but then that led me to um, going back to the Tigers, which in the end was probably the is going to be my legacy in footy because... You know, I'm a Richmond man deep down, 
because yep. I played for them and um, had, I've, I've had some wonderful times. And I'm, I'm still hanging around there. I'm not doing quite as much as I did before, but still very engaged and very much a Richmond man. And Rick, I can't walk down the street without somebody talking to me. So uh, that's probably not a bad thing, is it? Nah, not at all. Nah. Uh, who was instrumental in getting you to Collingwood, you know, in the first place? Oh, Eddie appointed me. I'm not quite sure what what um, what what the influence was and who was uh, the ones who knew what they were doing. But no, Eddie certainly appointed me. Yeah, Eddie McGuire. Yeah. And, and you were mates with Mick Malthouse from your well, Richmond no, days. Well, yeah, I'd play, I'd, I'd like, yeah, I'd played with him at Richmond, so it was terrific. I really, uh, really loved playing with him. So, <laughs> but, but it was quite funny because. Um, you know, sure, he was coaching the first year and then was always going to give it away. And um, and then, so Ed comes to us and said, well, what are we going to do about a coach? Oh, well, the process is there. There's plenty of people out there. Let's go and talk to them all and go through it all. And he said, well, what about Malthouse? Would he be any good? I said, well, yeah, he's been wonderful at the West Coast and I think he'd be terrific. Um, we should put him through the process. Well, he came back three days' time and said, Malthouse is coming to coach us, <laughs> which is which is wow. kind of not that helpful to us in terms of footy management because we weren't able to, you know, talk to him about what we needed from him and what we yeah. needed to do and all that. Now, not that it was a hell of a problem because Mick was a bloody good coach, and, but uh, he didn't really feel – he felt that he had to satisfy Ed rather than all of us, which didn't really help us in the long run. Long I run and Mick became a bit of it too much about Mick in the end too. I, 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 I felt that way. I mean, and that's a little bit unkind in a way, but I think he did. But I think, you know, you, you, it's model behaviour. You do what you think the club wants you to do. Mm. And clearly Ed was running the show and he, he did, couldn't help it either. He was so um, ego-driven himself. Not, not in a nasty way, but that's what he is. You know, he yeah. did, wouldn't have thought he was doing the wrong thing. But it it... it in footy, you've got to be all on the same page and you've got to be looking after each other and sacrificing for each other and helping each other, whereas there was a little bit of perhaps uh, selfishness about it, I thought. That's, but that's my opinion. I'm probably a little bit hard on them. And did Geelong headhunt you or did you sort of say, look, I need to step back a little bit and then the discussion started or how did that all come about? Oh, fortunately, um, I, I was really good, um, real, been really close to Gareth Andrews over the years. He had a real estate business in Richmond and then he actually came and played. He played and then was general manager of footy for us and then finished up on the board back at Geelong. And he, he was the one, as much as anyone, who uh, who encouraged um, uh, Geelong to talk to me about uh, about the footy management area. So, um, But I was pretty close to Cookie. Cookie was very good. Brian Cook was very good. So um, I always loved the way you mentioned Brian Cook and you speak of him in, in the same reverence as Wally. So... Yeah, you know, that for me shows how much you respected and how much of an influence he was as well. And and I love it that it's ironic interviewing Tom Harley. Tom Harley speaks glowingly of Neil Baum and vice versa. Yeah. So I've always enjoyed that side of it as well. Um, you know, I interviewed Harles last season at a function in Sydney, and yeah, he spoke glowingly of you and and obviously your relationship with Tom. And then you know, let's face it, he. Tom comes in, he's a little bit of a surprise choice as captain because he wasn't the gun and you have the problem with Steve Johnson and you correctly back Howes and the leadership group to fix it and they did. Yes, no, no, Howes is very... Um, he gets it, he, get, he gets what footy's all about um, which is why he's doing the job he's doing but um, 
it's it's so much about looking after each other and caring about each other. I mean, you still have to make the hard decisions. If Jono was a complete dickhead, you've got to get rid of him. But he wasn't. He was just a bit naughty. So we went to the, the players, wanted to handle it, and they did, and they did it really well. Um, but it, we knew what was going to happen from it, and that was the important. I, I must admit, I did. I, I caught up with Dane Swan this morning doing something else, and uh, and he was a similar to Jono in, uh, as a bloke. And... He'd been involved in a bit of a fight with some people, but he'd gone in to help his mates and all that sort of stuff. And I always remember that um, Eddie was keen to, you know, well, we've got to give him, you know, a thousand weeks or burn him off or something. I said, well, hang on a minute. I said, well, what if your son was in that circumstance and his mates were in trouble? What would you want him to do? Would you want him to go in there and help his mates or would you piss off and look after himself? Oh, yeah, you got a point. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's the way. That's just the way you have to do it. We, we're only dealing with people and we can help them if we can. If, they, if they're complete deals, well, you get rid of them because you have to, because they're not living to your values. But if they're just a little bit naughty, well, you've got to be a bit um, understanding of them and uh, put your arm around them a bit. And I, I think that's, that's where footy's gone. We're much better at that yeah. now than we ever. Oh, look, and Eddie tries to deny it and says, no, nothing would happen and all that. But I think D Swan ending up a Brownlow medalist and a Collingwood great's got a lot to do with N Balm, a bit more than E Maguire. So, yeah. yeah. Well, with Geelong, uh, obviously this was a little bit ahead of the time. They had a little bit of a mid-season, not crisis as such, but a bit of a reset and a bit of a re-evaluation of the, of the club mid-year and it really stood them in good stead from that point onwards with uh, Mark Bomber-Thompson. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, most of it's all pretty logical. You go, okay, what have we got? Where are we? What are we doing? What, what, how are we reacting? What, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, you know, it's just people management, really. I mean, it's, uh, but, but you've got to be honest about it. You've got to look at it and you've got to say, okay, what can we do? And then somehow you've got to encourage the players to enjoy taking responsibility for what's going to happen. Because I've always had this crazy saying that the guy who's got the ball at his feet is CEO of the club. Because if yeah. he picks it up, we, we're going to be all right. If he doesn't pick it up, we're not. Yeah. And that's that's the depth of it. I mean, the players are really totally responsible for what happens to us, and we've got to encourage them to take that responsibility and enjoy it and play that way. And that's kind of what we had to do at uh, Geelong to a degree. Is say, well, come on, we're we're good enough for this. Um, you just just take your responsibility, enjoy it, look look forward to it. Let's do it. We're we're good enough to do it. And uh, and then that, and that's, I mean, not every team can say that because every team's not going to win. But um, if you are good enough and you do it well enough and you control it well enough and you sacrifice yourself for all your teammates and you work for each other, well, the multiplier effect is quite uh, significant. And it held Geelong in pretty good stead from that point onwards. Yeah, yeah, well, they were... Uh, they were uh, good fun to work with, I must admit, and uh, they hadn't won for a bloody long time, so I took the credit for that as well. As usual. Fair call. Yeah, why not, Barmy? And you know, you've still got that bag with the boot, with the brick in it. Yeah, you've still got to carry that around. Yeah. I do. It's got e- Richmond NB on it now. It used to have uh, GFC NB on it before. And Barmy, the thing you've been pretty heavily involved in is with the startup of women's footy, and and it's only with that when I was interviewing you the article those years ago. Where I made the point where I'd been to watch Nord in a Sam, the girls in a Sample Grand Final, they hadn't they hadn't kicked a goal against South in the minor round and thought right 
it's more important to be around when you know you're going to lose. Anyone can be around a winner, but let's you know, do the right thing and be around when we're, when we're going to lose. And if you told me I'd be at a women game chanting Nord and yelling out number 35, bat five, and you know, that sort of thing, because what really won me over was the girls' buy-in. The guy who misses out, and he's 23rd, 24th. In a grand 25th, final, yep. 25th players, you know, dummies on the dirt and all that sort of thing. Their girls were a complete buy-in, buy-in, and they were just so all together as a group. And Barmy said, well, it's funny you say that because the Richmond 2017 side together was so much for a group. And I said, well, that might explain the result a bit, uh, the result a bit more than you know, uh, than we all thought. So I reckon that was a really important point, uh, Barmy. Oh well, it is, I and mean, that's that, that's the hard thing in footy. If you don't get a game, you think you're being left out. But I mean, it depends on how close you are with your mates and how much you accept that and understand it. I mean, our, our 17 guys were fantastic, but. Um, I mean, I must say, if you're talking about the girls, the girls, they are so grateful to be involved in this yeah. silly game. Uh, they're, yeah. they're all wonderful, and um, they'll just get better and better and better as they go. But, I mean, it's, it's sometimes a bit hard to sell that story because if you're not in the team, you think, oh, bugger it, I'm not in the team, so who cares? But if you work together and you commit yourselves together and you understand that at the end of the day, you can only pick 22 blokes or 23 blokes to play, or, and just accept your role within the club and um, and look after your mates. Well, you're a much more powerful organisation and you're a much better person yourself. And then when it's your turn, they're still going to pick you. But if you go against them, they're not going to pick you. Uh, so it's sort of it's selfish in one way because you understand that. But I mean, it's really selfless in so many other ways that you're part of the act and let's go. And I think the point there where you said about the girls are so appreciative is just. Spot on. So, Nord, you know, Nord, we had the the, the showdown in the first round, and so involved in that, and 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 going the you know the Wolf Blast Centre afterwards, and the girls are thanking you for the chance to be in the room, and yeah, you know, true, it's though, just it? yeah, it's sort of yeah. the other way around than what you know what we get, and yeah, I was, well, no, you're more than welcome, and you just sort of. Wow, as an attitude. So it is, it is yeah, it, it is, as you said, that they are just so engrossed that they're, they're wrapped to be a part of the foot of the game. They're more the game than probably the footy industry. And yeah. I, I still enjoy yeah, that it, side it's of it. It's such a challenge. The poor old girls, because as I say to our girls, we've been playing since 1858. <laughs> yeah. You've got a long way to go. And then they have, but they're getting better and better as they go. I, I saw our girls played uh, Brisbane two weeks ago. And I, it was just it was so much better than they played before. Whereas last week they played and they got beaten and didn't play all that well. So they've still got a fair way to go. But uh, the week before they were wonderful. So um that's part of it. They'll, they'll keep learning. And, um, I mean, the game's much more complex now than it ever used to be also, which is, uh, makes it even harder for them in funny ways. Well, obviously, in 2016, you left Collingwood and came home, as you put it, to Richmond. Um, Dimmer was in the same sort of situation as what Mark Thompson was. Were you able to put an arm around him and, and sort of say, or mentor him a little bit in to say, look, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to go about it. And then from then onwards, Richmond haven't uh, looked back. Yeah, to agree, I did. He'd been to the US and done a few things because he realised that he had to change a little bit of what he was doing. He'd been, he'd been fantastic. Um, but I think um, 
principally in 2016, he was kind of, he felt that he had to make sure that the players knew if they did something wrong. And so he was really focusing on that to, to fix it, which is right, because if it doesn't work, well, you've got to fix it. You've got to do something about it. But but the, my feeling was that he'd been a bit too negative. It was a bit too, bit too much of the, what the hell did you do that for, rather than, you know, the same in the same terminology, you can say, can well, we do it a different way? have a look at that. What do you think you should do now and how can I help you? Is telling them the same thing. but And I think that's what he changed. He changed that because the blokes were sort of hating him to a degree because he's always into them. But he wasn't meaning to be into them. He was trying to help them be better. And I think he changed his uh, way of doing that in 17, which uh, which gave us a real real shot at it. So, uh, no, he was a, a damn good coach. He, he figured all that out himself. He, again, I think he principally, he genuinely said, I'm, I've got to make sure that I coach them well and get them to know what they're doing right and wrong. But he was doing it in probably a slightly more negative way than he should have, and then, then he wasn't. So that really helped us uh, enormously in 17. And, yeah, so... 37-year drought broken. Yes, yes. I took credit for that as well. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> so out, of, again. out of that, then probably the next, you're a bit unlucky to run into a ramp at Mason Cox in a prelim. And then, oh, wasn't he fantastic? Yeah, that night he that was unbelievable. Um, probably never reached anywhere near that level again since. But, yeah, it was quite incredible that night. But then, the, you know, the footy having, having to move around and COVID. So we, it was, it's been a bit of a bizarre era as well. Yeah, it was challenging the uh, the other. But we, we were terrific. We, you know, we cope with it better than anyone else. I'm not quite sure, sure why. But I think we just accepted where we were. So, you know, to win 17 and then 19 and 20 was um, unbelievable. <laughs> Particularly when you think back to what silly bloody Brendan Gale said some time yeah. before. He said, we're going to have 100,000 members and win three flags. And I was like, you got mad. Well, guess what? You we got 100,000 members and we won three flags. So yeah. it's, um, it's wonderful. It's really beautiful um, reinforcement for what he believed uh, for, for our footy club because he is an outstanding um, administrator, a good person, Let, lets us do our job but knows enough to uh, to – buy in when he needs to buy in but uh, very good very very good and quite incredible really where you said Richmond probably did that best and buy in and all that where they're negative about playing at Marvel and I think Hardwick's attitude there has hurt Richmond in the end so it's quite weird that the buy in to COVID and be up in Queensland all in the bubble and all that yet we don't want to drive five minutes down the road to Marvel. It's it's yeah, a weird I don't, comparison. I don't, isn't I, don't, it? I don't get it. I must admit, I don't get it. We we should never have said it because yeah, well, my view is you can play on the moon. It doesn't yeah. matter where you play. It's, it's only you against them. Exactly. The ground doesn't do anything. So yeah. um, I'm really frustrated by it. I think it's more coincidence than reality. But maybe a few of our players, you know, don't don't like playing there. But there's no reason. If you had to choose a place to play footy. You'd play in the place that's got a roof, so it doesn't matter whether it yeah. rains, and it's, and it's got a beautiful surface. Yeah, so that's where you'd play, wouldn't you? But yeah, well, so, I, I guess I guess uh, any of us who play at the MCG love playing at the MCG yeah. as well. But um, you know, so, we don't love playing at Footy Park that much because the wind changes at quarter time. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. The Adelaide Oval is just a touch more comfortable. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> okay, Barmy. There's a couple of things we've got to bring up: modern footy, where we're at. 
I thought Maynard last night that thank goodness the tribunal showed some common sense. Um, don't, I don't want you to comment on this one, but I'm really worried about Laura Kane's first week, I think, trying too hard and trying to place an imprint and there's a bit of lack of footy nows there. I don't want you to add anything there. That's just my thoughts. But, um, you know, where the game's at, we, we understand there's a lot of things happening behind the the game legality-wise and a couple of lawyers I'd love to shoot as well. But um, we're at, we get that it's had to change, but surely the Maynard bit was just a footy accident, for goodness sake. You know, it, it's not – he's tried to smother. If you're trying to bump someone, tackle someone, yeah, there's that physicality side of it if it goes wrong. Yeah, we can understand getting banned for that, but a smother, for goodness sake? Well, they, they, if they don't want that, they have to say the rule says you're not allowed to jump in the air to smother. Yeah. If which... they, and if they do that, we get it. But, I mean, I must admit, I, I've – you know, well, you know what I'm like, yeah. but – um yeah. I thought that they should have let him off because it wasn't fair. He, he didn't do anything wrong. No. But I'd, I thought he'd get weeks because that's what they've done all year. I mean, we had a kid, uh, Nigel Mansell, who, uh, Ryan Mansell, who he bumped into a bloke and he got three weeks. I mean, he, he, there was no intent and, and it was it was age. No, 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 you're not allowed to, not allowed to touch an age. You're not allowed to touch an age. That's fair enough. Come on, Barmy. Should have got three weeks. Not allowed to touch an age. Yep. <laughs> no, but even Aishi said yeah, I know. he shouldn't I know. have been rubbed out. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I... so I thought, well, if clearly they're going to give him time because they almost have to the way they've acted throughout the year. But I'm really pleased they didn't because I didn't. I just don't think it's fair. Um, but I, I think we're trying to solve the unsolvable. Yes, and that's that's I the mean, point that you can't eliminate all physicality from the game. We, we've got we, the head must be sacrosanct. We've got to try and help. We all get that. And yes, the game's at it, but you can't eliminate all footy accidents. And that, for mine, was very much just a footy accident. And, and well, it's a classic. I case feel of... so, we all feel sorry for Brayshaw. Yep. But I, I also yeah, exactly. agree agree that Kane Corn, where he said he doesn't turn to protect himself, he's a real worry. He's one of those. He's tunnel vision and doesn't get the act of protecting himself. Um, and it's unlucky, and we feel sorry for him. But don't hang out the poor person otherwise. Well, you've got a, you've also got 168 years of evolution of that that people are jumping, uh, tackling. That yeah, all right. We need to change the tackling and the head high stuff. But the the running and jumping to smother the ball has been in the game since day dot. Yeah, it's it's very. I mean, it's it's just almost impossible to. What we've done is we've rubbed blokes out in terms of what's happened to the player, the yes, outcome. The exactly. outcome's this, therefore it's someone's fault. And yeah. that, that's why we were worried about um, the Maynard thing because clearly yes. something had happened and it was was clearly his fault in that he bumped into him, but he didn't certainly didn't mean it. There was no intent or whatever, but uh, it, it's really challenging. I, I'm, you know, I think they've bitten off more they can chew in a way and, and they're doing it for the right reasons but I'm yeah. not quite sure of how, yeah. how we're going to get the outcome. Exactly. It's um, very challenging. Now, a, lot, but, a lot of grey grey area at the moment still to work through. So, now, Vitally, Barmy, you're going through, have gone through some uh, health challenges. You had your first ever episode of an epilepsy attack at the age of 70, which is quite, it's, a, it's unusual, but it, it is a bit more over as we get older and all that. And you've had now to watch yourself a bit more carefully with your health. As blokes, we've probably all we've all done it, all been invincible, and a couple of times you probably 
didn't watch your health as afterwards as closely as you now need to, but you've you, you now understand exactly what you've got to do and you've bought in and there's a, an epilepsy walk coming up. Fill us all in there, Barmy, please. Yeah, I've, I've always been a little bit naughty with, with my behaviour, but no, it was, there was certainly no history of epilepsy at all. And um, yeah. I had this bloody amazing um, seizure and fit and, and I was lucky that Carmel was there and looked after me. I finished up in hospital or whatever. But um, but then and I went, a mate of ours works in the... Uh, with the um, Epilepsy Foundation, and she said, "Well, do you, do, can you help us promote this? You know, what, what what's going on around it?" And uh, I normally wouldn't do that sort of thing, but I thought, "No, it's not a bad idea." But and because people are a little bit kind of almost ashamed of being epileptic, if you know what yeah. I mean, and they don't talk yeah, about it enough. Silly. And, yeah, but but also the challenge of epilepsy is they don't know what causes it. It just happens. Yeah. And fortunately, I've got some medication that helps me, and it. It's controlled the the whole um, seizure thing, but apparently only seventy percent of the people get that. Thirty percent, they they just their medication doesn't control it. So we do need, you know, some money to try and find out what makes it happen and look after the people who have got it, who, who uh, the medication doesn't help, etc. So um, they, they do the uh, the walk for epilepsy all through October, and I'm going to do something with it as well. And you know, we're trying to raise a bit of money for people. So I. I you know, I've been really pleased to support them and help us. I've done, you know, plenty of stuff around the place promoting it, and I've been everywhere talking about it, um, which is, again, not usually like me, but I'm really pleased and proud that I have because there's been some wonderful response to it. Um, and But we do need for people to... If you, if you go to the Walk for Epilepsy uh, uh, website and look up, look out my name or whatever and see if you can give 50 bucks or something to help. And if we get enough of those sorts of things, we might be able to uh, do a bit more research and get on top of it. So, I mean, it's it's something that I'm really proud that um, I'm supporting and, and doing. We'll, oh. we'll promote that on our socials as well. Yeah, I'll certainly do that. And, you know, let's be honest too, MMD until Neil Danaher with that was... Oh, absolutely. It's, know, it's not it's not dissimilar no, to that at all. It's no. the same, same, yeah, principally the same, yeah. You know, it was funny with that was with MMD, and then I did an article on David on David Palm, and I didn't know till talking to Jenny David's uh, David's sister that that Jim uh, Palmy's dad had died of MMD and that. And oh, jeez, oh, I didn't realise that either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. it's just yeah. a lot more. Yeah, you probably can remember Jim back in those days because he was bloody good at the bar, uh, Palmy Senior. He that was how he. <laughs> He always gave directions. You ne- you didn't go down Green Hill Road. You went past the fe- you went past the feathers, and then you turned at the feathers, <laughs> drove down, and then you go on that next left, and you'll go past the Kenzie, and then the Marrickville. And yeah, Robin so Hood, he was a character. He was a character, yeah. character Palmy Senior. Yeah? Oh, I have been to all those places. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, th- I think we we all have Palmy. Uh, Palmy. All right, Palmy, we'll go through right in your uh, uh, hard- hardest opponents. You can mention a couple. You don't yep. have to mention one or two. You can do three or four. Oh, there's lots of them. I mean, Jeff South was a beautiful player, but I, I always struggled to get a kick against David Darcy. Would you believe that? Yeah, Luke's um, there. Yep. But I played on him a couple of times. He played very well. And even Cowboy Neal was always, I found, difficult to get a kick on. But um, He's struggling oh, health-wise as other, well, too. Yeah. Lots, lots of other ones as well. But, um, 
No, some beautiful players playing, and um, I yeah, just enjoyed playing the game. But uh, some of those were hard to get a kick on; it wasn't much fun. But uh, I think Dave might have got a couple of three votes against me at some <laughs> stage. <laughs> and of course, best players played, you know, with as well. Like your Richmond, your Richmond side, you know, Bartlett, Stewart, you know, Burke. If you don't like Bartlett, Stewart, Burke, and Royce Hart, etc., you're not yeah. you're not fair dinkum. But um, but there's some beautiful players. I mean, if you, you can't go past, you know, the Careys and the, and that of the world and the Jakovic's and, and even Dusty Martin now. Like, you know, it's very hard to find a better player than Dusty. He's such beautiful you know, feeling around the ball, et cetera. But um, uh, there's lots of beauties. Because um, oh, I've always said Royce Hart in terms of a mate, Bushy, will be listening. He's a Richmond fanatic. And I said, well, if I'm Royce Hart versus Carey, it's a toss-up, and that's how good a player Royce Hart was. Oh, Royce was running. Royce is only six one and a half, six two max or something, and but he just Incredible beautiful reach. jump of the ball, yeah. marvelous kick. We busted his gut the whole time. You got everything out of him. He's fantastic. Yeah, great to play with. He was um, very, very important, very important player for us. Yeah, but um, you know, it's almost impossible to pick the best player because there's so many really good players around. But um, you know, Gary Ablett was pretty good and the young bloke was pretty good as well. And, yeah, yeah I mean, lot, lots of very, very, very good players. I mean, Joel Selwood, I, if, if you had to pick a team to play for your life, you'd nearly yeah. pick Joel Selwood yeah. in it, I reckon. He's sort of like the Alan Border of, uh, of batsman footballers. Yeah, you play, you'd pick Selwood to play for your life any day. Yes, exactly, you would, yeah. Your yeah. 1994 All-Australian team has some pretty handy names in it as well. Uh, Silvani. Oh, he, was, he could play a bit, couldn't he? <laughs> Greg Williams, Guy McKenna, oh, Glenn Jakovic. Oh, yeah, blue, blue is beautiful, yeah, and Jacko. Yeah, oh, I mean, that, that's what I mean. You just can't, you can't go past them. Really, they're wonderful, wonderful. And even in the real old days, I mean, the, Bobby Skilton's been up, up as the whatever he is, the champion of champions, the champions today from yeah. the AFL. And, yeah. I mean, blokes like him, you can't go past them. They're beautiful, beautiful players. I mean, as you said, Ian Stewart before. and I mean, they're uh, they're just wonderful players. Now, I have to ask, uh, was there an opportunity for you potentially to come to the Crows? Oh, yeah, we, we were very serious about it. Um, and again, I didn't particularly want to leave Richmond. I love Richmond, but... Um, Rue had spoken to me quite a bit about the possibility of coming and it was only really because I had this crazy um, seizure stuff that um, my medico said to me, said, you're crazy if you take on a more uh, more anxiety in your, in your work and I'd recommend that you don't do that. And that's really what made our mind up in the end because I, I reckon there's a reasonable chance I probably could have come. Yeah. To, uh, to to help the crows, um, and I, I reckon I, you know, I could have had a, had a decent influence as well. But um, but it wasn't. It was just they said, "Don't do it. Uh, you're crazy if you do it because you know who knows what could happen." So, yep. um, but no, we, we were certainly serious about it. Yeah, I like know, we love Adelaide. I mean, Car- obviously, Carmel's family's from Adelaide, and we're um, you know I love living in Adelaide. Had a great time and love the place. So. Um, we were very serious about it, but uh, didn't do it. Yeah, Barmy did me a real favour at this lunch a couple of weeks ago, Pete, without even realising it. Someone's asked, you know, that was there a day where everything just went in sync as a player or a coach? And Barmy read the room and said uh, the 1984 SNFL Grand Final. So I've quickly glimpsed around the room and I've seen which people are clapping. 
So I've made a beeline about my book straight after Barmy's got off stage. And I did okay that day, Barmy, so don't worry. I was well in front of giving you a lift back to town, so that was greatly appreciated. <laughs> well, it was, it was certainly a wonderful day, I must say. It's um, one of the days you remember um, very, very, very vividly. Yeah, beautiful. And you've got a book as well. Do you want to give that a little plug? Oh, yes. I mean, Anson Cameron wrote yes. a beautiful book called um, Neil Baum, The Tale of Two Men. And um, well, what how it happened is that Carmel and the kids were convinced, trying to say, you should write a book. You've been in footy for 50 years. And I said, oh, that's the last thing I want to do, blow my own trumpet. Um, and then they knew that I knew Anson very well. And I'd re- he'd written about a dozen books and I'd read them all and they... He was a friend of ours uh, anyway. So I said, well, what if we got Anson to write it? And I said, well, now you're talking. But he did a great job because he, he interviewed me for ages and got all the stories around it. And then, then he went out to the real world and got the truth. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so the know. story, it's very good. It's a f- fantastic, um, I think, you know, again, uh, it's I a great book. Um, yeah, it's a good footy story book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I love my mentions. I thought they were the highlight of the book too, Barbie. So yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sure you've got an autographed copy. Yeah, I might have a couple in that regard. <laughs> um, I it was one moment with um, Anson and that, and I said to Anson, "Geez, is it people you know, expect you're just going to give them a give a, a copy of your book and answer?" And Barbie's gone, "Oh no, Malcolm, you've started him," and away he went. And, uh, Anson probably spoke in terms of his frustration in that regard, about the same as Barmy does on Joe Goodnick. So it was a, it was in a <laughs> conversation for the next few minutes. Uh, he's a good man. He's yes. a terrific man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're, you know, sort of uh, Dimmer finishing up, you know, could you sort of see that coming with him, you know, no, sort of being a I, bit frustrated or? I, I didn't. I didn't at all, but that's probably because I'm such a positive bloke, I, I think, but uh, I didn't see it coming. But, I was really proud of him for being uh, trusting us enough to tell us what he felt. And he felt that he wasn't getting his message across and he felt that he didn't quite have the energy to pick it up and he probably thought he'd done his work. Um, and that um, that was wonderful that he said that because it gave us a chance to make a decision on him. And, um, you know, because in the good old days, the coach had just coached forever until you had to sack yeah. him in a, in a way. Yep. Uh, but it was really – I'm really proud of him for the fact that he – you know, he was able to tell us the truth. Um, and then people say, oh, we reckon he was already talking to Gold Coast now, whether he was or he wasn't. We don't think he was. But it, even if he were, it doesn't really matter because um, we're that proud of him for doing that. He said, footy needs the Damien Hardwicks. Yeah. So we're pleased that he's at, he's at uh, the Gold Coast. We're not going to barrack for him when he plays us, but we're really pleased that he is because he's one of our he's one of our men. We, we like to look after him. Mm. Um, so it was a bit unusual and challenging for us and all that sort of stuff but it's you know in a way it's given us an opportunity to you know to reset where we are and reorganize ourselves without having to sack someone having an an awful uh, period with that because the players still love him and respect him enormously and so there's no nastiness around it and uh, we've we've moved on so um you know as challenging as it was and has been it's um it was the best way it could have been dealt with i thought and and that's where footy clubs have We've come a long way. Yeah. In the good old days, if someone left, you hope they break their leg and yeah. never do anything ever again. But we, we don't think that. He's he's one of ours. Bloody oath. Yeah. Well, as his king is and as his um, fly, McRae, and uh, all, and you know, as, and for me, uh, Kenny Hinckley is as well. I know too many of them. <laughs> yeah, and that's the way it should be, Barmy. And look, oh, I think, well, there's no doubt, no doubt in my mind, yeah. 
And look, as a Nord per, I, I I love it where you hammer the point that Nord Football Club is your club, and you know gr- greatly appreciate that. You know, always love spending time with you and and that and privileged in that way. But yeah, always as a Nord, you know, I love you. You really make that point, and it's that we feel that's pretty important, and, and you know something greatly appreciate as well, Bummy. Oh, thank you. No, I, well, I well you know that I, that's the way I think anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mate, uh, I have to thank you for everything that uh, that you've provided to footy. Uh, 270 games at Norwood, 49 at Woodville West Torrens, 98 at Melbourne as a coach, but more importantly, 176 as uh, a player. Uh, my all-time favourite grand final, which we've mentioned uh, on one of our flashback segments here on, on our uh, podcast, was the 84 grand final, and I reckon I could almost uh, call word for word for the first quarter of that grand final. So uh, it's been a great honour and a privilege for me to speak to you tonight and uh, keep up the good work, mate. Thanks, Barmy. Uh, thanks, Pete. Uh, thanks, Malcolm. No, really enjoyed it. Thank you. No, thanks. thanks, Barmy, and look forward to catching up, mate. Thanks, Barmy. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Just been speaking with Neil Barm there as part of our part two of our past players, past legends uh, with Neil Barm. And yeah, he's transitioned then from Norwood to obviously uh, Woodville West Torrens, uh, helping out Brucey Winter, and then moving on obviously with Collingwood and Richmond and Geelong and Melbourne and Melbourne as part Melbourne. part of uh, the AFL program and the sacking of him at half time, unbelievable, unbelievable. Trust me, I, he does not exchange Christmas cards with Joe Good. Uh, then moving into administration, and and he really did see that as his um, light bulb moment, I suppose, that he did enjoy the administration side of things and then heading down to Geelong and really turned that club around and then obviously the same same again with Collingwood and then obviously off to Richmond. Yeah, and look, I'm, I do make the point, I love it that both the, the huge respect Tom, Tom Harley and Neil Baum have for each other is an enjoyment knowing both of them and yep. speaking to both of them and it's quite funny it. It's almost like a carbon copy of hearing the exact same words about yep. the other. So it's it's enjoyable in that way. Absolutely, and we thank Barmy once again, and yes. uh, his uh, his contribution to footy can't be uh, understated. And no. we're absolutely privileged to have him on board. Definitely. Happy days. All right, happy days today. Happy birthday to a man we mentioned a little bit earlier. Matty Clark turns 50 this uh, this week. And the Crows girls, to their credit, did a really good prank in terms of a shirt, gave it to Matty, and then as he's come out the training, they'd all, all, all of the whole squad is wearing, wearing the shirt as well. Absolutely. It was really well done. And probably something, ironically, Adelaide's social media seemed to do a better job on the female side of it, so... It was well done by the girls. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Matty Clark drafted in 1990 with the 56th selection in the AFL National Draft from West Gambia to Richmond Football Club. Yeah, and he was the master of tap work. He was you know, he, an elite tap ruckman. Um, I admit I have chatted to him about it because that is Riley O'Brien's weakness. Yes, and I was going to ask about yes. that, whether someone of his standing could be of a benefit or more of a benefit to Riley O'Brien, which I'm sure is happening. They try, but he does make the point it is the hardest aspect to try and coach, to get a person to teach them feel. And it's almost whether the person's got 
feel or not. Or not. Absolutely. Uh, well. In 1991, as a 17-year-old, Clark spent his year playing at Richmond under-19s while studying uh, science at Melbourne University. In 1992, Clark wanted a season in Adelaide despite being traded to Brisbane, but ended up coming back and playing at South Adelaide. Clark moved to the Crows in 2000. In 2005, in absence of a suddenly emerging number one ruckman, Ben Hudson, injury in the Crows' last game of 2006, sidelining for most of the 2007 season. Uh, There was talk that Clark may continue for another season, however, retired from football at the end of 2006 after a career high of 248 games over 13 seasons. I just love how down-to-earth he is. Like... There they were, the Crows, you know, when they played the showdown and how the teams played a, a, a scratch match of the, of the leftover players from both clubs. Mm-hmm. There he is, boundary umpiring. And then after the game, uh, in terms, you know, the, the interview and the and the billboard behind of the yep. sponsors, and there's an Adelaide staff member saying, I'll do that. And Maddie's going, no, 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 I'll do it. Packed it down himself and all that. He's... He's down to earth. And then the first thing he did in the Wolf Blast Centre was thank the Nord Football Club for the day. What a facility. He, he's just, yeah, really down to earth. In 2018, he was uh, surprisingly announced as the Adelaide Crows W coach and has won two premierships and obviously has the respect of the playing group. And it was evident this week during his birthday celebrations with the yeah. uh, AFL girls. And really, Adelaide are looking to create that club atmosphere. I think that's it. If you look at Adelaide, their women's program is that club atmosphere oh, that they fan- should be trying to build. And it was it was interesting just being in in the Wolf Blast Centre that night, and it was a Crows function and that those. But you could just see the huge respect mm-hmm, that, all the players have got absolutely for Matty Clark, and yeah, he, he's he's a very good communicator. Happy birthday to Matty Clark and yep. wishing him the best for the remainder of the AFLW season. And, yeah, let's hope that we can get him on the podcast yeah. and probe a little bit more into some of his uh, football journey. Yeah, I think leave that one with me. No worries. All right, we uh, we move on to tennis, 1973. The uh, famous Battle of the yeah. Sexes match between uh, Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And Billie Jean King gets a uh, win over Bobby Riggs in this game. Yeah, it was, I do remember watching... What? So, geez, I was ten. I can actually, I can actually remember watching that. And there has been a movie made in the, yeah, the last four or five I, years on it. But I do actually remember watching the game. So, yeah, it was. It was. Look, Billy Jean was a fair bit younger and more in her prime than Bobby Riggs. Yep. So, but it was it was a bit of fun. Absolutely, and, and it really put uh, world tennis on the map in yeah, saying well, that hey, it's a good idea. We we, we want to compete with the men. Uh, we think that we can do just as good a job. Yeah. Some crowds obviously uh, weren't as uh, into it from the <clears throat> yeah from the female point of view, but this really put a spotlight on it, so fantastic. All right, we move on to baseball. 2013, uh, Alex Rodriguez of the uh, New York Yankees sets an MLB record at the time of 24 Grand Slam home runs. Now, not sure if you're up with the Grand Slam home runs. Certainly uh, sets the crowd alight. 24 of them in a season is not a bad effort. Uh, incredible. No, no, I was always a big... Uh I loved baseball at Nord. I was a regular attendee, especially on the Wednesday nights, yep. supporting the Kensington Cardinals. Because and at one stage, the whole Kensington side were ex-Nord high, so it was virtually like a school reunion a fair bit, <laughs> which cool. 
would depend whether what time slot, yep, how we all pulled up, whether it was Redley's Club to ah. the Marrickville and Leon's, and yeah, let's just say there were some interesting nights. On a Wednesday night, yes, I, I love it. Yes. Absolutely love it. That's a great little stat there, yeah. <laughs> all ex-North players. All right, we move on cricket. 1986 uh, cricketer Dean Jones, Australian cricketer Dean Jones, scores 210 against India at Madras. Have you done a few coaching clinics with Dino? I may have heard a fair bit about this, Dig. Yeah. Uh, look, Dino, I got on well with Dean. Don't get me wrong there, but he did love talking about himself. And he used to do a quiz... And I thought, right. So I went round to all my kids and gave them one question each. Now, his high score is 210 India. Yes. His high score at Adelaide Oval is this. His highest first class score is this. this yep. This, this. And uh, so my, he's doing my kids just bang, bang, bang. And Dino goes afterwards, geez, you st- stitched me up there. I said, bloody oath I did. <laughs> and Tony Miles said, geez, wish we'd thought of that years ago. Yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, I might have won that one. Yeah, fair call, and uh, what a what a great story there uh, yes. with Dean Jones. But yeah, what an unbelievable player. Two hundred and ten is oh. nothing to be sneezed at. All he right, was a fascinating person. He was adamant he could read the Kookaburra ball when he was in form, and so he was a fascinating person to talk cricket with. There are a lot of players who will say that the game slows down for them. They see it as big as a beach ball, so it doesn't surprise me yeah. that you know he could see the logo on the uh, on the ball. So, all right, and we move on to the SNFL Grand Finals, which we've already talked about briefly, but stirred in 1969, defeating um, Glenelg 24-15, 1-59 to Glenelg 13-16-94 at Adelaide Oval with a, a Approximate crowd of 55,600. Pretty sure that that's the grand final where Malcolm Greenslade holds the record for the number of goals kicked. I reckon it's eight. I will check that mm-hmm. this week, but I reckon it was eight, and that's the record in a grand final. Bit of a homework there. And then in 1970, Sturt uh, defeating uh, Glenelg once again, 12-13-85 to 9-10-64 at Adelaide over in front of 48,750. So there's a bit of a purple patch there for both clubs that were playing each other in grand finals. So it's three grand finals at the moment. Three zip to Sturt. So, yeah, that's an interesting It stat. is an interesting stat, and that's why I've put it on the run sheet for tonight yep. that all three grand finals so far have gone Sturt's way, yep. but we're backing probably Glenelg in this final, so it'll be very interesting to see yep. how it plays out. All right, let's scoot into the extra time big finish. Extra time big finish. All right, we stick with the SNFL. We wanted to talk, and you did briefly bring it up a touch earlier, about the 16s and the 18s playing in their grand finals. And congratulations to Centrals defeating Sturt in that uh, under-16s grand final. And in the under-18s, South defeating Sturt in the uh, in the grand final as well. Centrals were too, just that bit too good. Now, Centrals ca- captain Dyson Sharp. Now, let's just go through his year here, Pete. Mm-hmm. He wins South Australia's best player at the under-16 carnival. Overall, the best player at the carnival. Yep. He wins the under-16s medal and then gets best on ground in the grand final. I did say to Sticks Phillips after the game, because Sticks coached uni, so I know, and know Sticks quite well. Mm-hmm. I said to him, I said, why didn't you give it to him before the game? You could have shirked <laughs> quicker the game up. And he said, yeah, it's a fair call, Robert. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, he was... But, yes, Centrals were impressive. And that's Central's first junior premiership in 19 years. So, well done to the Dogs. 
uh, you know. Well, overall, uh, Centrals have done very, very well yeah. for the year. But let's look at Sturt a little bit here before we get on yes. to the under-18s. Sturt playing an under-16s grand final. All right, yeah, they didn't get the chocolates. They also playing an under-18s grand final. Didn't quite get the chocolates. Two points. Um, Sturt are playing Glenelg in the reserves Sturt, grand final league. and in the league. Yeah, no, that is a very, very, very good uh, fillet for the Sturt Football Club. And they won the wheelchair premiership. I would have been shot by Steve Avery if I hadn't mentioned that. Yep. Um, and that, and so I'm trying to think of the women's. I reckon they got knocked out in, I'm trying to think it was first semi or prelim. They lost to Nord. Nord yep. Um, so to so have yeah, all of those yeah, teams in the a, finals, oh, it's been, they're doing some great things. Yeah, and look, 16 centrals were just a bit too good there. Mm-hmm. The 18th grand final was the game of the day. Yep. Um, I admit... I'm a huge G for Taylor Goad. And so Jason Miller, just who played for Nord, happened to be sitting three rows behind us. And I said, yeah, look, I've got to be honest, Goad's the guy I'm here to have a look at. Yep. And uh, he smiled and said, uh, he's going out with my daughter. And I said, so how tall is your daughter? He said, 6'1". Taylor Goad, 6'11". Right. So I said, they end up having kids together. Geez, that could be the land of the Giants. And he, he did say, yeah, well, the first time ever Taylor got home, he, he made him at six foot five look like a dwarf walking <laughs> through the door. So, Fair cool. Yeah. Uh, absolutely unbelievable that South making the grand final, like you said, game of the day, two points, an absolute cliffhanger in the end. I, I haven't seen a lot of highlights oh, from it, but Sid, it did look like a do-or-tie battle at the, at the end. Sid Draper got... Uh, won the medal uh, medal on the best on ground the grand final. He's a bottom major, so he doesn't qualify for the draft this year. Don't worry, he he is a distinct chance to be number one next year. He is elite. Keep an eye on that one. Yes. We've uh, we've broken some news in the past, and we've got a couple more couple more names to add to our. I wait will and say see list. I will be amazed if he doesn't go top five minimum. Absolutely. I think he's a distinct chance for number one. Uh, as we mentioned, Sturt and Glenelg playing off in the reserves grand yep. final should be an absolute uh, belter of a day for both those clubs. And Glenelg take out the Stanley Lewis Trophy in 2023. Yeah, because Glenelg were minor premiers in league and reserves, and while the 16s and 18s weren't quite as successful as as Sturt, Sturt's there, it was the fact that they had enough points and, yep. and from the league and reserves. Absolutely, yep. and... It sort of shows that, uh, you know, right through the grades, we did mention that Central's uh, having a bit of a a renaissance uh, coming back, uh, and Sturt have certainly done their job as well. So congratulations to them. All right, we move on to cricket. Travis Head uh, breaks his hand, will hamper him for the upcoming ODI series. Yeah, they haven't made up their mind whether he's going to make the 15. I think they've still got to decide on how far into the World Cup he'll be available. So we've just got to wait and see on that one. All right, we move yeah. on to AFL trade talk. Uh, the Crows looking at Marbia Chol, Harms, Petty, and they're all on the radar. Oh, who, who out of that do you think is legit and who is just speculation at this stage? I think Petty's speculation. If, if the Crows got Petty for uh, McAdam, that's an Ikea start the car moment for mine. It, 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 you know, that'd be a steal. Um, I don't think Harms will – I don't think he – I'm not sure he's – very much on the radar. I think he's probably a bit older. I think he'll end up somewhere else. Chole, look, I don't. If they pick Chole up, I think they've got to decide what they should. I still with Himmelberg. Yep. 
they should Crow should have tried him in defence in the in the in their um SNFL, SNFL side yep. to then decide right, can he play centre half back? Yep. Because especially now when Murray went down and that and Dodie was down, they lacked height and it was a bit of a question mark who was going to play and mm-hmm. he had showed he wasn't physical enough to play centre half forward. Let's see how he goes chasing someone and standing someone. So I couldn't work that out. Mm-hmm. Chol showed a bit at VFL level and all that, that he's inconsistent. Whether they will, whether they're thinking of him as a defender, we just got to wait and see. Absolutely. All right. Now, where does Duday sit? Because they are lacking defenders. They've got a ready-made defender that's at the club who has come out and sort of said, "Look, I want to stay at Adelaide." as much as I possibly can. I know that there's negotiations that are happening behind behind the scenes, but it's very interesting that a player would come out and say, look, I want to stay, but where does he sit? Because they need defenders, and yet they're potentially looking to trade one. Oh, look, let's remember he's had two... So he's now had two... He's, it's his second knee reconstruction. So he misses a fair bit of next year. I'm more stunned where Brisbane have offered him a longer tenure and that. So I understand effectively he's been offered an extra five hundred grand or so to go to Brisbane. So I get that. But I also now at the moment, wondering that it's taking so long, have Brisbane got in their player contracts, which some clubs do, bonuses for finishing higher. So if Brisbane actually went through to win the premiership, mm-hmm. they might be able to afford Dodo then. Right. So that's where I'm ah, thinking interesting. is, is why, where it could be taking this this long because yep. if he's going to stay at Adelaide, well, you, you would have thought would, it would have happened, happened by, by now. now. So that's that's my theory there. Okay, interesting. Uh, wait and see. I think we're going to find out in the next five or six days as to how this is going to uh, to play out. I hope he stays at Adelaide. I think they need a defender that yeah. know, that knows what's what the system is and, and can play. Yeah, he's going to miss a chunk of time, but. For me, I'd, I'm keeping him. That's for sure. All right. Um, oh, look, and I love what he does yep. off the ground. He's he's a magnificent contributor off the ground. He gets life. His his role with the disability sector, mm-hmm. what he does with Bedford, what he does with Navita. I have enormous respect Absolutely. for Tom Dodie as a person. So I hope he stays. Absolutely. Uh, and Adelaide need good players to to hang around. But um, this week uh, or last couple of days, we've had a couple of delistings from Adelaide. Um, Andrew McPherson, Jason Haitley, Tarek Newchurch and Tyler Brown have all been informed their contracts will not be renewed. I've got to be honest, I said those four names when I was at the footy on Sunday. Yep. I said in uh, I was standing with in the last quarter, I said those four might as well. They can clear their lockers now, and that's not having a crack at any no. of them. I just thought they were all very obvious for the listings. I know that the club sometimes decide that they're going to re-rookie somebody. Who out of those four are they re-rookieing? No. no none? None. No. Fair call. Mine might have been Newchurch on no. the X Factor, but uh, defence no. He's been be given enough of an opportunities, and I've now... I've seen him play a lot of times this year now, and he just doesn't work hard enough defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't do enough. No. Fair call. Uh, Port Adelaide with their four list changes at this stage of Riley Bonner, Trent Dumont, Brian Tickle, and Nathan Barkler. I was probably slightly surprised with Riley Bonner. I know he hadn't kicked on, but, I yeah, I thought he may have been... Still got another year, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Is, uh, well, we'll do the same for Port Adelaide. Is there one out of that four that they uh, re-rookie as part of? I would think Bonner would have to be a chance. Tickle, maybe because he's a height, Ruckman, you know, 
slower developers yes. all that. But the fact they picked him up in the mid-season draft and now they've delisted him, I'd be surprised, mm-hmm. therefore, because that's mid-season draft 18 months ago. Yep. So I, I don't think any of those will be, but Bonner would be the best chance, I would think. Where does Razzle Dazzle sit? Yeah, who knows? Who knows yet? I, um, I was surprised that he wasn't in these first four. I know he did sort of come good at the end of the year in the SNFL, but again... I can't believe they didn't play him. Yeah, you know, How McEntee played before Fantasia or mm-hmm. Evans was another bizarre selection. We did mine. talk about that a little bit earlier. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Tennis, um, the Davis Cup, runners-up in the uh, Davis Cup in 2022. Uh, we'll once again get to compete in the 2023 finals after uh, a pretty stressful three or four days for the Tennis Australia. Uh, they lose to Great Britain in round one of their round-robin matches. They then bounce back to beat France and then have to really put the foot to the floor and beat the Swiss quite convincingly, and that's exactly what they did. Which is a great effort, but I'm sorry, this Davis Cup's so hard to follow. It's bizarre, so it's being paid in Manchester. You're lucky to have 500 people there. For goodness sake, treat the competition with the respect that used to be. As Leighton Hewitt came out this week and said, get it back to home and home away. away. Yep. Just treat it properly or don't have it at all. Absolutely. Uh, can't disagree any, with anything on there, but I thought Australia showed some real grit there after sort of getting a little bit embarrassed by Great Britain in the uh, first round and really had to get the job done and some fantastic tennis played from then. Uh, Side note on the tennis, Brisbane International is back. Uh, They're going to host one week. I know Adelaide got two weeks last year. Um, Brisbane are going to take one of those weeks away, which I think is about right. Yeah, so do I. I didn't sort of have the same appeal two weeks in a row. You said, oh, what's happening which one's the supposedly bigger tournament? Who's got the better players? Yeah, the, so I, the, the I actually reckon that's a better, better. Absolutely, and I think that uh, Adelaide did a very, very good job, and quite rightly are back on the international tennis calendar yeah. as they should have been. So, and also yep. Brisbane as well. Obviously, uh, Pat Rafter and Ash Barty come out during the week promoting it. You're not going to yeah. say no, are you? Yeah, exactly. All right, um, AFL. Unfortunately, this week um, some. Passing away of Ron Barassi and uh, and Cowboy Neil. Yeah, and look, also on the SANFL side of things, um, yeah, uh, Dennis McIntosh, father of Gary, uh, yeah, condolences. Uh, you know, our condolences go out to their families and, um, yeah, um, I can't say any more. <laughs> oh, Barassi, Ron Barassi's a, you know, an institution in football, you know, Barassi, Curly, Witt. Yep. You know, they're probably the three, probably the greatest promoters mm-hmm. side of things. Cowboy Neil, of course, we know that he played in St Kilda's one flag in in '66 uh, and kicked fire. He certainly was a big contributor in that game. Coach Centrals mm-hmm. over here, um, standing with the Centrals guys at the first semi, I did get told that it was imminent, and yep. you could certainly tell the immense respect that uh, Greg Smith and and uh, Robbo and that had for him, mm-hmm. uh, who I was standing with, and that. So yeah, big, res- very well respected as well, cowboy. And yeah, huge condolences to the McIntosh family. Absolutely. All right, mate. We're going to finish off with the good, the bad, the ugly for this week. Um, I'm going to go in terms of. I'm going to start with bad. I cannot believe Corey Bowen has been appointed the SNFL Grant. Grand final. When he didn't have the prelim final last week, I thought, good. He's made clangers. He's made two errors in law in in the 
previous two weeks that he'd been put to pasture for the year. When I just clicked on to see the SNFL appointments today, I was literally gobsmacked. flabbergasted, yep. gobsmacked. I may have spoken to another umpire who was shattered that, uh, that yeah, I, I can't believe it. No, yeah. fair call. Uh, you're good for the week, mate? I think good was in terms of the crowd again, the Carlton Melbourne. That was good. That it was such a great contest, and it was wow. You know, the contest and the right down to the wire. You know, some bizarre things in it. Mm. Yeah. Thank yeah. goodness Acres' shot went through where he played <laughs> on, where he really should have gone back, taking up his thirty seconds. So yeah, that was crazy as well. Yeah. Um, and you're ugly for the week. I think it's good in terms of – I'm going to have it as good and ugly. Mm. Good is of enjoyment for the rest of us. Ugly with the port supporters. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but, geez, it was enjoyable. I think my good for the week is the uh, Sturt Football Club uh, playing off in all four yep. grand finals. I think yep. that is a – Very good a, point. A big tick uh, for Sturt in that regard. My bad for the week was probably the Melbourne Football Club in not only their selection but yeah. their ability to go on with the uh, – the Maynard Brayshaw yeah, incident, just which lost the plot. just did lose the plot a little bit. I mean, it's great for me being a Carlton supporter yeah. that, that they did lose the plot, but um, that's the way it was. And my ugly for the week, I really can't pick one at the moment. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit with you with Port Adelaide expecting, and every club should expect what they want to see happen, but in reality it's not going to happen every two years for them. Oh, no, and there was a couple of the calls, I, I admit, I reckon that, Commentators were doing very well not to absolutely cack themselves with laughter. So, yep. yeah. uh, all right, mate, we'll leave it there. We uh, finished another big episode. We had Neil Balm on. We've got uh, big SNFL grand final uh, pl- being played here this weekend. And next week, uh, we'll see who's the SNFL Premier and we'll try and get somebody on from the winning club uh, to talk to us about the grand final. And also, it's that glory, best week of the cricket season. It's the week where the Redbacks are still equal top. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Nice little stat. All right, mate. We promise to do better next time. And until then, we'll see you next time. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.